0: 1 Corinthians 12one 7 Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus is cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in every one it is the same God at work. Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Ephesians two, eight through ten. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do.: Amen,
1: Thank you, Lori. So well, before we get going, I want to just have a little time of prayer. Um, you know, on November 19th, 11:19, we passed out these prayer cards, uh, breakthrough prayer cards about a new spirit and an undivided heart. And I think God is answering our prayers. And uh, it is from Ezekiel eleven nineteen, And it says, I'll give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. I will remove from their heart of stone, from them their heart of stone, and give them a heart of flesh. And then we've been praying, Almighty God, do what you alone can do unleash the power of your Holy Spirit on Calvary United Methodist Church. The results in breakthroughs of repentance, faith, mercy, grace, miracles, changed lives, new eyes, new hearts, new dreams, new vision. We want fresh encounters with you, Jesus. We want that new spirit in that undivided heart. Do alone what you can do in Jesus' name. And I have another card uh, that we just... Uh, made um, felt led to, to have another breakthrough prayer card that will pass out next week but it's got uh, doors on it and you know it just says God opens doors and it's really taken from Revelation chapter 3 verse 7 and 8 it says what he opens no one can shut and what he shuts no one can open see I have placed before you an open door And then uh, the prayer here that I'd like you to pray, I call it uh, 901 Breakthrough Prayer. And so when you get this card, hopefully you're going to say, why 901? Ask me and I'll tell you. Well, I'll tell you later on. You can try to figure it out for a week. But the prayer goes, uh, Almighty God of love and power, we know that you are with us and you care for us. Break through into our lives and into our church. Fill us with grace, mercy, and the power of Jesus. Help us to discern where your spirit is leading. Open doors that lead us into a new season of faithfulness and fruitfulness for your kingdom. Give us faith and courage to step through the doors that you open. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. Also got word this morning from Karen Kalinowski that... Roger is talking, and he wanted to eat breakfast. Amen? Some of you know about Roger Kalinowski. Very uh, sick, uh, in the hospital, had an infection, and prayers were going out. And I know uh, the different prayer chains, and people were trying to inform others. We got to pray for Roger. And uh, he's eating breakfast this morning. So she's rejoicing, and thank you for your prayers. God answers prayer. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you're a good God, and uh, Lord, I, I thank you, Jesus, that before you left physically this earth, you prayed a prayer to your Father, and you said, Father, make them one, even as we are one, so that the world would know that they are your disciples. So Lord, we just continue to pray along with Jesus That you would make us one, Lord, that we would learn how to love one another so that others would know that we are your disciples and that you'd help us to love our neighbors. And you even said to love our enemies. So God, we just pray that you give us the grace uh, to be able to do that. And Lord, we know that you open doors and you shut doors. And Lord, we just need that gift of discernment today. And in the future, Lord, that you would show us what door is open and give us grace to walk through it so we could go into that season, that new season of faithfulness and fruitfulness for your namesake and for your glory. Uh, this we pray in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. And amen. Well, it's the second week on uh, spiritual gifts and serving, serving the Lord. I want to talk about unwrapping your spiritual gifts today. Last week we said that you know God is a giver, and He's given us everything that we have. It's a gift from God. God so loved the world that He what? He gave everything you have is a gift from God. He made you unique. There's not anybody in the world just like you, and God doesn't make copies of anything. No trees. Uh, Are alike. Uh, No two animals are alike. No two people are alike. God doesn't make copies. Originals are always more valuable than copies. Even twins, there are differences that are distinct. And God says, I made you to be you. And I don't want you to be anybody else. And we said there's five things that make you, you. Let's just review. And it's that word shape. He's given you a shape. You know, S-H-A-P-E. Shape. S is for spiritual gifts. What are you gifted to do? H is for your heart. You know, what, what do you love to do? Your passions, your interests put inside you by God. A is for abilities, those natural abilities that you're good at, that God gave you at birth, whether you're a believer or not, you know, and then he's given you a personality. You know, you have a very distinct personality, different than anybody else in the world. And E, he's given you experiences, good, bad, and ugly, You know, which are unique to you. You have vocational experiences, relational experiences, spiritual experiences, and some of you have painful experiences. I think we all do. You all raised your hand at the beginning of the service. I want to begin today by pointing out that the moment that you step across the line spiritually, When you say, you know, I'm gonna be a believer in Jesus Christ, I'm gonna repent of my sins and I'm gonna trust in Jesus and what he's done for me on the cross. I'm not gonna go my way anymore. I wanna go God's way. I'm gonna let him direct my life. I wanna follow his purpose and not my purpose and I'm gonna do what I was wired to do and made to do. The moment you step across the line and put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ God gives you, I think, uh, four major gifts. Uh, Many people don't even know they've got these gifts, but God gives you four major gifts. And the first one, and you can write this down, he gives you the gift of forgiveness. Isn't that an awesome gift, you guys? He gives us forgiveness. I mean, even if there's no such thing as heaven, and there is, but even if there weren't, I mean, be worth coming to God it would be worth getting my life right with God so I don't have to carry this, this load of guilt around. Most people in life aren't very happy because they carry this constant burden of guilt and resentment and shame. Guilt over the things I've done to others. Resentment over the things they've done to me. And they may, that makes us miserable. And the answer to both of these is forgiveness. Asking for it and offering it. The Bible says in Romans 5:15, but the gift is not like the trespass, for the many or if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man Jesus Christ overflow to the many. What's the gift that's being talked about there? It's the gift of forgiveness. The first thing Jesus did, he said, you know, we're going wipe, to wipe out everything uh, you've ever done wrong. You know, it's just wiped out. It's forgiven. It's forgotten. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It's as if it never happened, and that's a good deal. And that's the first gift that God gives you, forgiveness of all your past. We call it justification. By faith, we've been justified. You know, it's just as if I've never sinned. You know, the blood of Jesus does that. You know, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness. And so he shed his blood, so there is forgiveness. The second thing that he gives you is not only forgiveness, but he gives us eternal life. You write that down. Eternal life. You might call this the gift that keeps on giving. Because God has long-range plans for you. He says, I want you to be with, I want you to be with me in heaven you know, forever and ever and ever. In Romans 6, 23, it says this, the wages of sin is death. That's the bad news. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. You know, you're never going to work your way to heaven. You're never going to earn your way into heaven. You can't be good enough to get into heaven because heaven's perfect. And guess what? We're not. You can't buy your way into heaven. God does not grade on a curve and say, hey, your, your good works are like this and and your bad works are are, are this much, and so, so you're in. No, you can't do it that way. The only way you'll ever enter heaven is by the free gift of God, his free gift, and that's what the Bible teaches us, and that's what Jesus said. It's a free gift that you accept by faith. You say, Jesus, I'm gonna accept. I'm going to receive you. I'm gonna receive what you've done for me on the cross, and I get this free gift of eternal life, in heaven, Forgiveness, eternal life. The third thing God gives you, the moment you step across the line, the moment you become a believer, is the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible calls him the Holy Spirit. God says, I'm not just going to be around you, I'm just not going to be with you, but I'm going to put my spirit, myself, inside of you. The Bible says in Romans 5.5, God has poured out his love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. You know, how do you know you're letting God live through your life? You know, the Bible says in Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit, you know, Jesus says you're going to know them by their fruits. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. God says these are the nine qualities, that I put into your life, when you let me live through you, uh, I'm going to be in you. I'm going to give you strength that you don't have. Many of you never have called on that strength. And he's put the Holy Spirit in you. And it's not an it, it's, a, it, it's God. The Holy Spirit is God. It's not a feeling, it's a fact. And you may f- feel full of God or you may not. I mean, it really doesn't matter. Feelings are, are basically irrelevant. I mean, it's a fact. And God says, if you will trust me, I will give you power. I'll give you power to, for you to do what you need to do. The gift of the Holy Spirit. You know, on the day of Pentecost, Peter was preaching a sermon, and, and they were cut to the heart. What shall we do? And here's what Peter said. Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of sins And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promises for you and for your children and for all who are far off and for all whom the Lord our God will call. The gift of the Holy Spirit. The fourth gift that he gives us is the gift of some special abilities. You know, when you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, he gives you the gift of forgiveness and he gives you eternal life And he gives you his spirit, and he also gives you some special abilities. These special abilities in the Bible are called spiritual gifts. It's uh, charismata. You know, not mata like my name, but mata. It's like uh, charis, grace, mata, gifts. It's grace, gifts. It's where they get the word charismatics from. I'm a charismatic, you know, because I believe the gifts of the Holy Spirit are for today. Today. And that's the word in the Bible, charismata, spiritual gifts, which makes them different than, you know, physical gifts or or material gifts. They're spiritual gifts. They're abilities that you need to get the job done that God wants you to do. These spiritual gifts gives you the special ability to do the purpose, really, that he planned for you. And the Bible has a lot to say about this. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, one of the verses that Lori just read says, now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I don't want you to be ignorant. Most people who are believers don't even know they've got them, much less know what they are. But if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have spiritual gifts. God put them in your life, and they're basically dormant right now, waiting to be used, special abilities that you now have. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and Paul says, he says, I never stop thanking God because of his grace he has given you now that you belong to Christ. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift. Isn't that something? These Corinthians, the most immature church in the whole New Testament, and they don't lack any spiritual gift. Spiritual gifts have nothing to do with maturity. They're gifts. And it says here that the Corinthian church did not lack any spiritual gifts. You read Corinthians and see what was going on in that church, but they had spiritual gifts. Paul says in this verse, you don't lack any spiritual gift. In other words, as I look out at you, at Calvary United Methodist Church, and those are visiting today, uh, I see a gold mine. I see a gold mine of gifts here at Calvary. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7, Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. That means, I think, every one of us has at least, who's a believer, has at least one spiritual gift. If you're a believer, you've got at least one. You've got many that you probably don't even know about. A spiritual gift is given to each one as a, a means of helping the entire church, or it says in the NIV, for the common Good. So spiritual gifts are given to you the moment you accept Christ. You don't get to choose your gift. Uh, God says, I'm gonna choose it. Look at verse 11. Uh, that was not read, but uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11. It says, he gives these gifts just as he determines. Uh, you don't earn your gift. It's a gift. It's sovereignly given. The important thing is it's not given for your benefit. Your spiritual gifts are not given for you. They are given to help other people. They are given to edify and to build up the body of Christ. And other people in the church family are given their gifts to help you. Some gifts are different from natural abilities. Uh, They may appear the same, but they're different. I mean, when you were born you were given certain natural abilities. Every one of us have different natural abilities. Have you noticed when kids are born, uh, some kids are uh, just naturally good at certain things. Some kids are kind of like performers. (laughs) You know, they're cute. They're always showing off. They're fun to watch. Other kids are are more shy, and they look the other way when you look at them. And who taught them that? You know, it's kind of inborn. It's just the way, way they are. It's a natural gift. And some of you, are good at math, and some of you are good at mechanics, and some of you are good at art and music, some of you are born coordinated, some of you are good at sports, and some of you have a good sense of balance, some of us are just not you know, coordinated. Uh, you're never gonna be coordinated no matter how much you try because you didn't get those natural abilities. When you were born, you got a set of natural abilities, but when you're born again, okay, when you're born again of the Spirit of God, in other words, When you have a spiritual rebirth, when you're converted, when you come to Christ, when you experience salvation in your spiritual rebirth, you get a new set of spiritual abilities to do whole new things. And they're given to you the moment you become a believer. And you don't have them until you become a believer. And if you're not a believer, I don't think you really have any spiritual gifts yet. But they're given to you the moment you step across the line. What's the difference? Well... Spiritual gifts produce results. For instance, have you ever noticed the difference between a Bible teacher and a spiritually gifted Bible teacher? Big difference. The difference is the difference between, you know, information and transformation. A teacher can give you information, but when you're gifted at teaching the Bible, it transforms people's lives. It, it changes them really on the inside. It has an additional power to it that just normal teaching doesn't have. In fact, I know a lot of people who are great teachers in school or in college, you know, or in business, they're professional teachers, but they don't have the spiritual gift of Teaching so it's not the same thing. I mean, you can be good at one and not good in the other. Have you ever noticed the difference between somebody who is naturally good at singing and somebody who has the spiritual gift of encouragement and exhortation while they sing? I mean, you notice the difference in their singing? Yes. Why is it some people sing and you can go, well, that was okay. And other people, when they sing, you just, you feel it. In your heart, it just grabs you. It's the Holy Spirit. You know, they, they have that gift inside them. And when you hear somebody who's a really good singer, you go, wow. But when you hear somebody who is spiritually gifted, you go, wow, God. Wow, God. It draws your attention to the Lord, to what a great God he is. And it draws the focus to God himself. And this is what God says our spiritual gifts are for their additional power. To do the purpose God has for you. And that's what I want to look at uh, today. I want to talk about four reasons you need to know your spiritual gifts. And the first reason is because they shape your work. Last Last week, remember what we said? That in architecture, the form follows the function. You know, tell me what you want to use the building for and I'll tell you how to build it. And I checked that out with Blake, you know, the architect. He said, yeah, that's exactly right. And he even gave me the name of the architect that coined that phrase. But in human beings, it's the exact opposite. Function follows form. Figure out how God shaped you and how he wired you and what he's given you, you know, spiritual gifts, your heart, your abilities, your personality, your experience. Then you'll know what you're supposed to do with your life. So your spiritual gifts actually shape your work. And Jesus said this. He said, I must work the work of the one who sent me while there is still time. Work the works of the one who sent me. You know, life doesn't last forever, does it? You're only here for a a while, and then you, you just move on into eternity. And I've got to get the job done while I'm here because I'm not going to be here forever. And, you know, that's true for you too. Paul said in Acts 20, 24, I believe this is his life verse. He said, I consider my life worth nothing to me. If only I might finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. Did you know that God, I think he's got a work for you to do if you're a believer? Specific work that he wants you to do while you're on this planet, it's called your life's work. And God doesn't people, put people on earth without giving them a life's work. Your your life work, you know, involves your, your job. It involves your career. It involves your ministry. It involves your mission. All these different things. God says, I put you on earth. Work is a part of God's purpose for your life. He didn't put you on earth just to, you know, take up space and to use uh, resources and just to breathe somebody else's air he puts you here to make a contribution you say well what contribution am I supposed to make well it's based on your shape you know your spiritual gifts your heart your ability your personality your your experiences God never gives you a task or a work to do without giving you also the ability to do it and that's called your spiritual gifts and I think they're lying dormant in you until you decide to discover them and develop them Write this down. My gift is to bless others. I think that's true for everybody. My gift is to bless others. Like I said, if you're a believer, every one of you has a spiritual gift, at least one, you probably have many, and it's the development of your spiritual gifts and the abilities that God has given you that actually blesses others. People. The Bible says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4. It says, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, yet the same Lord to serve. There are different kinds of working to do, but the same God who works all of them in all men or in all people. There's a word that's used here three times in that verse, And the word is different. Did you catch that? Different kinds, different services, different workings. There are different spiritual gifts. There are different ways of serving. There are different types of work. And we're all called to serve God. We're just called to serve God in different ways. And so don't try to copy somebody else. (laughs) Don't try to be like anybody else. You know, you're unique. Just be You, God made you to be you. Knowing your spiritual gifts answers questions like, you know, what's God's will for my life? What does God want me to do with my life? What kind of job, what kind of career should I have? What should be my ministry? What should be my mission, really, in the world? Gifts explain uh, where you're supposed to be headed. They shape your work, and they not only do that, they explain why people actually see things a little bit differently. For example, if I invited a bunch of you over for dinner... And we're sitting around the table, and somebody serves the dessert, but they spill it. Uh, If you have six people sitting around that table, and each one of them had a different gift, they'd probably respond in a different way. For example, if you had the spiritual gift of exhorting or exhortation, you might say something like, well, that's what happens when you're not careful. (laughs) You know, people with that gift are always trying to figure out how to correct something. And then on the other hand, if you had the spiritual gift of mercy, you'd be going, well, it's okay. Don't worry about it. Everybody does that. And your goal is to relieve embarrassment if you have that gift of mercy. And if you have the gift of serving, you'd probably immediately say, let me help you clean it up, because that's your goal, to help meet a practical need. And then on the other hand, if you had the spiritual gift of teaching, you'd probably say, well, the reason it fell over is because it's too heavy on one side. And you're always trying to figure out the why of everything if you have that gift. And if you have the spiritual gift of giving, you probably say, don't worry about it. I'll be glad to go out and buy another dessert, you know? You're trying to meet that practical need. And, or you may have the spiritual gift of administration. The Bible says that that, that is a spiritual gift. I mean, it's, I think it's different, really, than just human management. It's a spiritual gift of administration that God gives you to, to organize things, I mean, if you have the spiritual gift of administration, you'd probably say, you know, Jim, you go get the mop. Uh, Sue, you go make uh, the dessert. And Betty, would you help me clean this thing up? And so they'd be administering uh, things. But not only do your spiritual gifts shape your work, but secondly, they actually show your worth. Your gifts show your worth. They show how valuable you are because God has put some valuable gifts in your life. And the reason why you have value is because of what God says about you, not because of what other people say about you. Today, many people, they lack confidence, they lack self-esteem, they don't feel good about themselves because they're always trying to pump themselves up, you know, by the kinds of clothes they wear, the kind of car they drive, the kind of things they say, the way they look, they're always trying to pump themselves up to make them feel better about themselves because they really don't accept themselves, which is, as I said last week, it's, it's, that's rebellion against God. You're saying, hey, God, you made a mistake. You know, you didn't know what you were doing when you made me, God. And if God wanted you to be to somebody, if he wanted you to be somebody else, you know, you wouldn't exist, but he wanted you. He made you to be you. So real self-esteem comes from three things. Listen, number one, God made you. God created you. He thought up everyone uh, to the details of your life before you were even born. Your days were numbered before you were even born. Remember, that's what Psalm 139 said, so God made you. Uh, Another thing, Jesus died for you, think about that. And that shows your value. And it also shows that we're all wretches and we need a savior, we're all sinners, but it shows your value because he paid for you. He bought you. He redeemed you with His precious blood, not with silver and gold. That's how valuable you are to Him. And then the third is that God's Spirit lives in you if you're a believer. He has gifted you with different spiritual gifts that shows your value. And the Bible says, is a verse that Lori read in Ephesians chapter two, verse ten: "We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus." To do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now, the New Testament part of the Bible was originally written in Greek, and the Old Testament was originally written in Hebrew. And the Greek word for workmanship, or some versions say masterpiece, is the word poema. Poema, it's the word we get poem from. God says, you're my poem. God says, you're my work of art. He says, you're my masterpiece. You're my workmanship. I don't want you to copy somebody else. You're my masterpiece. I put some gifts in you. I put some heart in you, some abilities in you, a personality and experiences, and I want you to use it. It shows your worth. Everybody or every part of the body is needed. We are all needed, and that's what the scripture calls the church in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 the body of Christ and the rest of 1 Corinthians 12 says that wasn't read today it says we're all part of Christ's body if you're a believer. And the Bible calls the church the body of Christ and it takes every one of us to make it complete. In other words, you know it says the hand can't say to the foot that I don't need you and the ear can't say to the eye I don't need you. Every part of the body is necessary. For each, for we each have different work to do. And there's the differences again. So we belong to each other and each needs all the others. So you're needed. Every one of you, every single one of you who claim the name of Christ, you are needed, you are valued, you are needed in this church, you are needed in this community, you are needed in this country, you're needed in this world. And if you weren't needed, God wouldn't have made you or redeemed you. You're needed, and we need you in this church. And he didn't bring you here just to sit, and to soak, and to sour. He brought you here to make a contribution with your life. And everybody is needed. There are no little people in the family of God. Every part, every role is important. That's what the scripture says. How can you say a fingernail is not important on the body? Have you ever lost a fingernail? <laughs> that hurts. Every part is necessary. Four reasons to know your gifts. They shape your work. They show your worth. And they, number three, they share your worship. What do I mean by that? Well, when you use your gifts that God has given you, it's actually, I think it's an act of worship. You're saying, God, use me. And you know, the Apostle Paul wrote in in Romans 12, you know, in view of God's mercy and everything, offer your body, offer your body, offer everything you have uh, to God, holy and acceptable. This is your spiritual act of worship. And I think that's what makes God smile. You think God smiles? He's not always angry. Some people think God only smiles when you're praying or singing or go to church, you know. God smiles when you use those gifts that he's given you. And when you're doing what you were wired to do and what you were shaped to do, and you're good at it, and and it feels good, and God goes, you know, you know, that is so awesome that that person, that lady, that man, that young boy or that girl, they're doing what I made them to do. Remember in Chariots of Fire, that movie, I think it was back in the 80s, when I was in seminary, I know that came out. And the Scottish runner, Eric Little, he said this, I was made by God to run. And he said, when I run, I feel God's pleasure. Have you ever felt the pleasure of God? God. When I run, I feel God's pleasure. You don't always have to be doing something spiritual. God says, I'm going to take the gifts that I've given you, and when you use them, it is actually an act of worship. And he looks down, and he goes, he's doing it. He's, he's doing what I made him to be, and that's exactly right, and it's an act of worship, and that gives God glory. The Bible says in John 15, 8, this is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit. When you produce much fruit, my Father is honored and glorified. When you use your gifts correctly, God gets the glory. When you don't use them, God doesn't. And you certainly can't please God with gifts you don't have. God doesn't expect you to be talented or gifted at everything. He just wants you to use what he's given you You know, in the Bible, the word joy and the word gift actually come from the same Greek word, and it's the word for grace, charis. And when you use your spiritual gifts, I think it brings joy to God, and it also brings joy to you. And God goes, hey, they're doing what I made them to do, and you go, this feels so good, this feels so right, I feel God's pleasure. The greatest feeling in the world is to use your gifts for God's purpose, because it works, it works. And you know it and you enjoy it it's the greatest thrill in the world to be used by God and there's a fourth reason you need to know your gifts number 4 they shine your witness what do i mean by that well jesus said in matthew 5:16 let your light shine before men that they might see your good works and praise your father in heaven When you use your spiritual gifts, it not only makes God happy, it makes us happy, and it is a witness to other people. It's a testimony to other people. Spiritual gifts, heart, abilities, personality, experiences, let your light shine. And when you do that, they shine his witness. You shine your witness. So how do you start using the gifts that God put inside of you? I just call it the four D's to using your gifts. And we'll go through these rather quickly. Uh, D number one, you've got to discover them. You know, you've got to dig them out and find them. You've got to know what they are before you can use them. And you, you've got to stop neglecting the fact uh, that inside of you... <laughs> are some dormant gifts that you're not even using. And that's why the Apostle Paul said to young Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14, do not neglect your spiritual gift which was given you through a prophetic message when the body of elders laid their hands on you. You've got to figure out what God has put in you. How do you discover your spiritual gifts? Three ways, I think. You know, examine Evaluate and experiment. This is how you decide and discover your gifts. First of all, examine. That means you should study spiritual gifts in the Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Romans chapter 12, 1 Peter chapter 4. Read it and ask the Lord, what gift do I have? I don't think that's an exhaustive list of gifts. But there's about 20 that are listed there. And we're going to do that in the next Three or four weeks, as we think about our shape and how we're gifted, um, and there's 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 other uh, groups that put out tests that kind of help. Like when we were going through men's fraternity, there was a thing that we could uh, a test that we could take. It was called Servants by Design, and you take this test and it really kind of clarifies a lot of things about who you are and how God made you and some of your passions and abilities and your giftings and servants by design. I think you pay like 20 or $30 and you can take that test and get it right back. And then uh, Dave Ramsey uh, with um, Financial Peace University, he puts out a test called uh, the DISC Index. And uh, that's uh, through Dave Ramsey. And that's another interesting test that you can take as you try to uh, examine or what gifts you have. The second thing that you need to do is evaluate what you're good at. And here's how you do that. And it might be a little threatening for you, but you should ask some other people. You know, of course, that know you and that you trust, or maybe somebody has a a word for you, a prophetic word for you. You know, what do you think I'm good at? Ask other people. Other people recognize your giftedness before you do. (laughs) I mean, there are certain things that you do well and you don't even know you're good at it because you think it's just natural and that everybody thinks that way and acts that way and feels that way. Well, they don't. Other people will recognize your spiritual gifts before you do. It is in their affirmation sometimes that you learn Your spiritual gifts. That's why I think it's really good to be in a small group. And I hope you join one of those small groups. We're going to start uh, putting those out maybe even next week on Sunday, uh, when they are and where they're going to take place. And uh, they'll start September 9th. Really important to be part of a small group. So examine, evaluate, and here's the third thing experiment. Uh, You just have to go out and try some stuff. And I don't think you're ever going to learn your spiritual gifts by. Just taking a test like Servants by Design or the Disc Test by Dave Ramsey. There are all kinds of tests you can go out and take. But I think there are literally lots of ministries that you can be involved in inside the church and even outside the church. Just try different things, and then you'll know where you are gifted. I mean, if you've got a heart for something and you think you're good at it, but nobody else thinks you're good at it, (laughs) it's probably not your gift. But be honest and realize you're not gifted at that. Ask the Lord, you know, what are you going to do for God this year? What are you going to do for God this year? What's he going to do through you this year? You need to be brutally honest and have a sane evaluation, not less of yourself and not more of yourself, just this is what God wired me to be. You evaluate, you examine you experiment, you try all different kinds of things. You know, right out of college, I, was gonna, I wanted to coach, and I wanted to teach secondary education. I ended up as a youth worker in a church in Millbank, South Dakota. Spent two years being immersed in the ministry that I didn't really feel called or anything to do. And I remember, it was a spring day, and I went to Pastor Sam Graff's office, and I was telling him he was leaving to go to a different church, and, and uh, the wrestling coach position at Millbank was open along with the social science. I thought, this is why I went to college. I'm going to go for that. And I went to tell Sam. And I told him that. I said, Sam, you know, I, I feel like, you know, I'm, I'll just do the youth work for nothing. I don't care. Um, but I'm going to go for this teaching job and this coaching job because that's why I went to school. And he came up to me around the desk and he had his his powder blue suit on and a blue tie and he had steely blue eyes and he put his hands on me and he just said, might God be calling you to preach? And I just, I almost was slain in the spirit. I almost fell over. And I just said, I guess so. And I changed my mind. I mean, just right there, it was like the spirit of God and other people in the church. So there, there was affirmations, confirmations by different people in, in the church and in the community about this calling on my life, but it was also the witness of the Holy Spirit in my life. And some of you are sitting here going, well, I'm going to wait for God to tell me what he wants me to do with my life. It really isn't going to happen. What do they say you can't steer a parked car? You should be moving. And if you're moving, I think God can steer you. So you just got to get out there and volunteer for something. You know, anything. Just start using your life for other people. And that'll steer you in the right direction. Don't wait so you discover them, those gifts, and you... The second thing you do is you dedicate them. You dedicate your gifts back to God. And the Bible says in Romans 6, offer your body, offer yourselves to God. Give yourselves completely to God as instruments of righteousness. In other words, he gave you all these gifts. Use your whole body as a tool to do what is right for the glory of God. And some of you, you already know what you're good at. It's no big surprise to you at all. You know what you're good at and you're just not using it for the Lord. You're using it for yourself. And what you need to do is once you know what you're good at and you need to dedicate it to God, God, I'm good at this and I'm, I'm just dedicating it to you. God, I'm good at that. I'm dedicating that to you. And the reason why you're not using it for God is usually it's because you're either too busy or you're too lazy or you're making excuses or you have a fear of failure. Push all those excuses out of the way. And say, God, I want to dedicate what you gave me back to you. So discover, dedicate, and number three, develop your gifts. You develop them, you dedicate them, or you, you discover them, you dedicate them, and then you develop them. Second Timothy 1, six, fan in the flame, the gift of God. Fan in the flame, the gift of God. I think gifts are like muscles. The more you use it, the bigger it gets, the more it develops. You can strengthen and develop and grow what God has given you. Any gift that God gives you can and should be developed. If you have a gift of teaching, you know, no gift comes fully developed. It it comes into your life in a certain way. And the more you use it, I think kind of like a muscle, the more it develops. You get better at it and better at it how? By practice, by learning, by studying, by learning from other people who have the same gift. And as you Practice it, I think you get better and better. And so, listen when God gives you something, if you use it well, I think He gives you more of it more talent, more money, more fame, more relationships, more responsibility. When you use what God gives you and you use it well, He says, You know what? I can trust that person. I can trust that person. And I'm going to give them more and more because they use their gifts for my glory. And not for theirs. So discover, dedicate, develop. And the fourth thing you do is you deploy. Deploy your spiritual gifts. You know what deploy is? It's a military word. You know, folks are deployed all the time. You know, some were deployed to Iraq and other places all over the world. It means you, you put them into service. You get out there on the field. You actually start doing something. And Romans twelve six says, We are to use our different gifts in accordance with the grace that God has given us. If our gift is to speak God's message... Or if our gift is prophesying, we should do it in accordance with the faith that we have. If it's teaching, the Bible says, let them teach. What's the best way to practice and develop and deploy and de- dedicate and discover your spiritual gifts? I think sometimes in a small group or in a group where you feel comfortable with a few people that can speak into your life. I think a small group is the safest place. It's a testing ground. It's, it's where I got started. And it's where you need to get started if you're not in a small group. Sign-ups start next week for September 9th. 40 days of prayer focus. You see how brilliant this plan is? What God thought up? God's plan for the church is this. Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna give every single person in the church different gifts. And then everybody has a place. And everybody has a purpose, and everybody has a role, and everybody gets involved, and everybody can contribute, and everybody gets rewarded, not just the pastor or the paid people. Calvary will be healthy, and it will grow when all of us do what God gave us to do. Imagine what would happen if everybody in our church did this. If we had no spectators, what if we had no spectators in our church? What if everybody says, Hey, I know my gift and I'm I'm using my gift? What kind of power? What kind of impact would we have on this world? I tell you, it, it would be unstoppable. If everybody discovered, dedicated, developed, and deployed their gifts, Jesus said, I'm going to build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. God's given you the gift of forgiveness if you're a believer. Isn't that amazing? He's given you the gift of eternal life. We get to live forever in heaven. He's given you the gift of his spirit, his presence. You know, our dead spirits were made alive with his spirit, And his spirit bears witness with our spirits that we're children of God. And he gives us special abilities, charismata, grace gifts. And he gave those to you the moment you stepped across the line. Which of these gifts are still unwrapped by you? Which of these gifts do you need to unwrap? If you have bought an expensive gift for a friend and you took it over to him, and a year later you went over to his house and he hadn't bothered to unwrap it, I think you'd be hurt. In fact, I think you'd be offended. Well, God has put some gifts in your life, and he says, I want you to unwrap each of these. When you accept my greatest gift, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, you get all the other gifts too. There's no better time to receive them than right now. One of the first verses I taught our oldest child uh, to memorize is Luke chapter 11, verse 13. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Have you ever asked Him for the Holy Spirit? Let's pray together. Would you pray a prayer like this in your heart? Maybe you agree with this. Dear God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, today I accept your free gift of forgiveness. Thank you for forgetting everything I've ever done wrong. Therefore, having been justified by faith, I have peace with God, just as if I've never sinned. I'm putting my trust in your grace, and dear God, today I accept your free gift of eternal life in Jesus Christ because of what he did for me. I know I can't earn my way to heaven. So, God, I accept this free gift of your spirit into my life. Live through me and fill me with your love and joy and peace and patience. And, God, I accept those, those, those special abilities, the charismata, those grace gifts that you put in my life. Help me to develop them and discover them, dedicate them, use them to be the person that you made me to be. And, you know, if you've never invited Christ into your life, just say something like this. Jesus... Lord, I, I want to turn away from my sin and I want to turn to you and I invite you to, into my life and I accept your forgiveness, all these gifts and your spiritual gifts to be used in my life to build up others and to edify the body of Christ. Thank you, Lord, for how you love me and how you want to use me in Jesus' name. And Lord, I thank you for an opportunity to bring our our offering to you, and to bring you the whole tithe into the storehouse, Lord. So I pray that even this would be an act of worship today, Lord, as we give and as we present our gifts to you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.